0: Hey everyone, Doug Berry here. Just wanted to remind you that the doors are about to close November 17th, 10 p.m. Central Time for the BR Coalition membership. What if you could progress effectively and efficiently in being better prepared body, mind, and soul? That's what BR Coalition training is all about. U.S. Grace Force members, we just want to remind you how important it is that we don't just spend our lives Golfing and shopping, as Father Heilman likes to say, but we're taking the steps necessary to be better prepared, and that's what BR Coalition is all about. Go to brcoalition.com forward slash membership to learn more and to sign up. Welcome, everybody. This is the U.S. Grace Force Podcast. I'm Doug Barry, along with my always very good friend, Father Richard Heilman, who's incredibly excited because the Packers turned their season around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thus, the Packer jersey. And we got a couple of great guests, Greg and Julie Alexander, good friends, known him for years, doing amazing work. But before we get to our guests and the show tonight, we want to start everything off with prayer. And of course, Father always takes that for us.
1: All right. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our defense against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly hosts, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit,
0: amen. Awesome. Thank you very much, Father. And thanks again to everybody out there who always supports the U.S. Grace Force podcast you've been amazing we can't thank you enough for your help we want to thank especially those who keep us in your prayers we do hear a lot from people that you're praying for us your rosaries your your mass intentions time and adoration really cannot thank you enough for that and thank all of you who support us through the patreon program if you're interested in helping us out with that you can click the link in the description below and we ask you to pray about it go on out take a look at it and just throw a few pennies our way is a big help to keep us moving and get this word out to as many people as possible. Also, I want to encourage everybody, if you're watching this show on Wednesday, the day that it comes out, you have about 24 hours left to join us in the BR Coalition. The doors are open right now for one more day until Thursday evening, the 17th at, I believe, 10 p.m. Central. The doors close. And we keep them closed for about six months. But if you want to sign up again, if you're watching this on Wednesday or during Thursday, you got a little bit of time left until 10 p.m. Thursday evening, central time to join the BR Coalition. So go check it out. Just click the website, brcoalition.com. You'll find more information there. Tonight, we've got, again, a couple of friends, Greg and Julie. It's great to have you on the show with us. We've been really hoping to get you on. This is a fantastic opportunity. You do amazing work. I know we go back many years. We've known each other a long time. Uh, You run the Alexander House, and you've got a fantastic story, and I don't want to waste any time you know, just flapping my gums. Tell the audience where you come from, as much as you want to talk about, that gets to the Alexander House work that you do, and then we're going to talk about that. We're going to show pictures of it. We're going to really get into it. Uh, It's just amazing work. I've always been so impressed by what you do.
2: Oh, thank you so much, Doug, and, and Father Heilman as well. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys. And and quite simply, the Alexander House was a result of Julie and I bouncing back from the brink of divorce some 25 years ago. And uh, we were Catholic by name, uh, but in no way, shape, or form did we live our Catholic faith as we know now. And, um, you know, growing up, Doug, I was always taught that in order to be happy, in order to be successful, in order to be somebody, it was all about what you did for a living. How much money you made, and more importantly, what you did with that money. And I guess you could say, by by society standards, we had become pretty important. But mm-hmm. unfortunately, at the demise of our marriage and family life, um, just kind of backing up a little bit. Julie and I met in college at Saint Edward's University in Austin, Texas. Uh, fell in love actually the first moment we saw each other. Uh, married about three years later. Uh, I spent four and a half years in the United States Army. And uh, as we got out of the military, I got what I always thought was a dream job in pharmaceutical sales. But this job uh, allowed us to be able to finance many of the dreams we had growing up. Uh, in fact, we used to keep what we call a dream book. And in that book, we would cut out pictures of the kind of house we wanted, the kind of cars we like to drive, the places we want, the vacation, and all those different things. But again, this job allowed us to be able to acquire those things. And I guess in a funny kind of way, you could say that that dream book was kind of our Bible. Because mm-hmm. everything we said and did evolved around that stuff and how we're going to get more stuff. And yes, there was indeed kind of this momentary happiness, if you will, as we acquired the different things. But as you know, that long that happiness is not long term. It starts to fade. And it was on to the next house, the next car, the next whatever, until we reached a point where we could no longer find the happiness in other things and we both started looking for that happiness in other people. Mm-hmm. And needless to say, when no secrets were discovered, we just simply concluded that if our marriage is having to resort to this kind of behavior, then there can't be much of a marriage left. And, and guys, I don't I don't even know if it's what I wanted, but I went to Julie and I, I said, I think we need to get a divorce. And without hesitating, she immediately agreed.
3: Yeah, I can remember the moment that... Uh... I walked into the room and he told me, he said, I'm done. I'm tired. And I literally thought he meant something else. I said, I am too. I can't wait to go to bed in my own home. Because at this point I was living in San Antonio and commuting back and forth because it was all about the money and all the stuff that we could get. And so I had to have the job that made the money. And it it was just literally a relentless pursuit of um, trying to fulfill that void that we didn't know what it was. But when he said that, and he said he was tired, I said, I am too. And he said, no, I'm be done I am emotionally and physically tired but I am done we need to get a divorce and I remember hearing those words and my first thought was oh my gosh my parents would kill me I mean literally
2: <laughs> it has nothing to do with me <laughs> I mean I just, you
3: know, that shame that what do I do I can't I knew we were bad and it was not good but the, the, we were just a quietness like as long as nobody found out we're just going to keep living our lives this way because we were as Greg said successful so I remember climbing up the stairs literally with this heavy burden on my heart thinking, oh my, what do I do? So I made the 911 call to our parish priest. Um, he let us come in the next day to for letting us, letting him know what we were doing, what we we're struggling with. And literally, he just said, I don't know what to do for y'all. I don't have any answers, but here's a card to a Catholic Christian counselor. So I made the appointment with the counselor because I never wanted to look back and think we didn't try it all. Well, long story short, we had a hundred dollar history lesson <laughs> as to how our marriage was like the Civil War. That's what he said. And he said, Greg, you're always going to be like the North and Julie, you're always going to be like the South. And sometimes you have to recognize that maybe you really weren't meant to be together. And we left his office thinking that that's what we wanted to hear. And so mm-hmm. we go home and Thought what we thought was the smart thing to do. And we called our two kids into the room, seven and nine years old, and let them know that, you know, sometimes mom and dads aren't meant to be together. You know, maybe we really weren't, you know, that we, we don't do things right. We don't get along. So we're just letting you know that we're going to get a divorce. And regardless of the fact that they were huddled in the corner, crying their eyes out, and they were, they were holding each other because our hearts were so cold. It was unbelievable. But we I remember looking at them, huddled, huddled in the corner and thinking, oh, they'll be fine. We'll just send them to counseling. I mean, that's what Bob and Sue down the street did. And their kids seemed to be okay. Our, we were, our hearts were just completely cold and shut off to grace or mercy or anything. And so long story short, it just, it shocked me to the core to see that that's how bad we had gotten.
2: Yeah. But the good thing, Doug, is that we continue to go to Mass every Sunday. Mm-hmm. And this particular summer, we had a visiting priest who filled in for our pastor for the entire summer. And uh, he just, just a great teacher of the faith. His homilies were incredible. I began learning things about this Catholic faith I inherited that I knew nothing about. And so we went from barely showing up on time, standing in the back of the church, and just moving closer and closer to the front. And then we started hanging out in between the two Mass times and found that this guy was the tribunal vicar for the diocese, and if we didn't know anything else about our faith, we knew that this was the guy that did that annulment thing, so so maybe this awesome God is blessing us with this priest to become a friend, because surely he's going to show us how we can get divorced, get annulled, go our separate ways, and start all over again, and so Julian made an appointment to see him, and, and unbeknownst to him, he thought we were coming by for a social visit as we were starting this new friendship, we get to his office, and for the next 45 minutes, we proceed to build our case as to why we felt we can no longer stay
3: married. Yeah, it was like a tennis match. It was horrible. It's like, he's done this, and he's done this, and he's done notice. <laughs> okay, he had a little bit to say. But it literally, it was it was not funny, but we're making fun. Thank God we can laugh about it because it was yeah. back and forth about unloading and dumping on his desk literally everything that we did wrong. You know, I,
1: I, I was listening to you, and um, first of all, I want to apologize for that first priest. Um, uh, you know, uh, I mean, who says I don't know what to do for you, and maybe you weren't meant to be with each other. I was listening to that kind of I- I've never given that advice. Oh um uh, but um but uh as I was listening to you, I-, I just kept asking myself and wondering where was your faith at at that point. I mean, you you talked about And a lot of times we, we, we call these our gods, our small G gods, you know, the, the things in our lives, the money and the, the, the house and whatever. Um, but, uh, and then, and then I also heard you say, use the word, the emptiness. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm guessing, you know, that, uh, practicing maybe, but where, where's your faith at that time?
3: Yeah, it, 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 was, it wasn't even practicing, Father. My yeah. parents
2: converted to the Catholic faith in, in when I was in the third grade. And despite the fact I grew up serving the altar, God, probably from that point up until I graduated high school, but I, I never really learned the faith. It was not anything that we mm-hmm. celebrated or practiced within the context of our home. And so mm-hmm. it was just something you, you just did on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And right. Saturday, you just live life based on what you thought you should do. And of course, I took that same mindset and mentality into college with me, which is where Julie and I met. My my dorm room was literally 50 yards away from the chapel on campus. And I think in my three and a half years there, maybe attended math maybe four times. And so, yeah, it it wasn't even on the radar. And because we were always consumed with, you know, what are we going to do for a living? And and what kind of jobs we're going to get? Because we need to have the money to have all the stuff in life. And that was, again, that was our God. Yeah, yeah.
3: Sadly, it was, uh, for me, it was my parents' faith that as long as they weren't there, you know, I could do whatever I wanted, as long as mom and dad didn't find out. Right. Literally out of guilt. I thought guilt, even when we were married. But now I realize it was God's grace. (laughs) In In the guise of guilt, meaning it got us there out of bed to get to the church, to go to mass. But now I realize because it was specifically what this priest had asked us when we were in his office, asking him. How can we get out of our marriage? And he asked three questions. He said, what is God's plan for marriage? And literally, Father, this is how th- we were like, what, who? God, he has a plan? What
2: does he got to do with this? Uh, what, you- what
3: does our church teach about the sacrament of marriage? Mm, what does that mean? <laughs> I don't know. What, what are some of the writings of St. Paul and the various Holy Fathers pertaining to marriage? We're like, uh, we don't know. What does that have to do with us? We were once in love, now we're not. And we were sincerely just here hoping you could help us get out of this. Mm. And he challenged us. It was really, he said, I, I understand your plight and your situation. Yet I want to challenge you to go back and find the answer to these questions that I've asked you. And thanks be to God, Greg had the grace in him to go do that.
2: Yeah. And, you know, Father, there was something I, I thought very interesting about the challenge, so to speak, because he could have sat there. and He could have told us the answers to all those questions that he asked us, but, but he didn't do that. He he challenged me to go back. And and for whatever reason, I, I want to know those answers. And so I went back and, you know, got the Bible, opened it for probably one of the first times in our lives. Uh, went to St. Paul in Ephesians, because I remember, you know, we hear this homily about the St. Paul guy in this Ephesians about marriage. And I found it there in chapter five, and there was those words that it, as if they jumped out in bold gold print, wives, be submissive to your husbands. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, man, I like this Bible stuff, man, because <laughs> she's not doing the things I want. She's traveling, want to make money and all these things. And, you know, that's the problem in our marriage. Yeah. And so needless to say, I found this newfound Bible to be pretty cool, right? <laughs> so I thought, well, let me go back and let me read some more and arm myself with some more ammunition so I could be ready for her when she got home that evening. But when I went back and continued to read, then I read the words, husband, love your wives Mm. like Christ, love the church. And I remember thinking, I said, man, like Christ, love the church and Christ died for the church. Right. Am I dying to myself for some of the things that she was wanting and desiring in our marriage? And unfortunately the answer was no, but, but for the first time, it really began to dawn on me that just maybe some of my own selfishness was contributing to the breakup and the breakdown of our marriage. And thanks be to God for my in-laws. They gave us a catechism for as as a wedding gift, or I wouldn't have known where where to go to find the catechism. But I found my way, Article 7, I think it's 1601, but it was those words again, God's plan, our marriage and God's plan. and, Mm -hmm. And I just started to read. In fact, even on the next page, paragraph 1606 began to talk about what would happen to your marriage relationship once you allow the regime of sin to enter into it. And then it began to speak of things like hatred, domination, lust, infidelity, separation, all those things we were experiencing. And then I began to think that, wow, that that if this church knows something about the the difficulties we can encounter in marriage, maybe we can find some resolve here as well. And then I got on the Internet and I found my way to the site Catholic Information Network. And it was there that I learned about these things called encyclicals. (laughs) had never heard of the word prior to that. But our related Holy Father, John Paul the Great's familiarized Consortium, was the first one I downloaded and literally read from cover to cover. In fact, two days, I didn't go to work or anything and just hold up in our, our bedroom, just reading and, and accessing this information, taking these notes. However, that second evening, I called Julia into the room. I said, Julia, let me share with you what our church has to teach about marriage. And all honesty, I looked at it and said, no wonder we're messing it up. We're not living a marriage like this. Look at this stuff. So I started kind of just overviewing with her many of the bullet points that I was finding. But yet what I found in her is that she was just as blown away as I was. She said, wow, this is incredible. What do we do? And just instinctively, I said, I don't know, maybe we need to pray or something. (laughs) And how sad it is. Again, we had been together at that time for 13 years, 10 years marriage, had the job and the kids and all the stuff. And not one time had we ever gone to our Heavenly Father in prayer to say thank you and so I took her by the hand we got underneath I recited a simple prayer I said Heavenly Father we try living our marriage based upon the things we think it should be and it doesn't work we've also tried living our marriage based on what the world has to say and that too doesn't work And I said Heavenly Father right here right now we sincerely invite you into our lives to show us how you want us to live marriage and if you deliver us from this evil we will commit the rest of our lives working in some kind of marriage or family ministry and so mm-hmm. Father again that was 20, 24 years ago, and um, and as we continue to read and study, we just felt God tapping us on the shoulder. And said, okay, now I want you to go out and speak to my children.
0: I got a question before we get to the Alexander House and how all that you know came to be. For people who are watching or listening right now, thinking you know you've had s- such an incredibly you know decaying marriage that was just on both sides. This wasn't just one and the other was fighting for it. And the other one wasn't, this was, you were both just kind of done. And then this turnaround starts to happen. Were there any places along the way where you kind of stopped and went, this is ridiculous. Okay. Because like Greg, you said you called Julie into the room and she's like, Oh yeah. What? I mean, and I think the audience has got to be thinking, Oh, come on. There had to be somewhere along the line. Where one of you said to the other one, "Ah, uh, you know what? I don't, I don't know that I'm going along with this." Or were you really both just ready at that point, and it just flowed from there?
2: Yeah, I, I think we're really ready. I know she's chomping; she she loves to talk. I'm oh, yeah. a moment here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I want to go back That's again amazing. just because when we left there, we, we left there hearing what we thought we wanted to hear. Mm. But I think, again, as it is, when we say that I do at the altar, and I mean, we're there because it is our intention to live in this relationship to death do his part. And so I think in reality, it's not the fact that we wanted to part. It's just that at that point, we had yet to find anything to tell us how to to do this. I mean, we consulted all the self-help books and all the things that are out there. uh, And everything was telling us that it was about us individually, ourselves and what we wanted. And when I started reading, what I came to understand is not about what I wanted, but it was about me dying to myself for what my bride wanted. And, And so we started seeing things that was telling us how to live this relationship totally different than anything we've ever thought it should have been at that point.
0: Yeah. So you didn't you, you didn't have any plumbing problems then that kind of
2: Oh my
3: gosh. That's <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. that comes later that came after
0: God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's a little yeah. for the audience a little inside joke about how the demons like to mess with you know literally your plumbing your electricals because you all oh, they just yeah. and you've had those problems now out at, at your uh, your house there. But so really you were both you were both ready then when this started like your hearts were just starving and ready to, and craving this. I mean, Julie, is that kind of describe it for you too? Uh,
3: yes, it describes it. Our hearts were ready, be, not because we were starving, because we were so broken.
2: We had uh, bottom, uh,
3: so rock bottom. I literally remember laying in a fetal position and crying my eyes out because my mom had called and I couldn't even talk on the phone. Hmm. And he put the phone to my ear and this is, this is something I'm saying this, I believe the Holy Spirit's asking me to say this because this is what parents should do is my mom heard me crying and she said, we love you and we're praying for you. That was it. Mm -hmm. She didn't say you guys shouldn't be together. What has he done? What have you done? You need to separate. You need to do this. You need to do that. They literally were praying in adoration and a lot for our marriage. And when we hit rock bottom, it literally, I can tell you the moment that he called me into the room. It sounds like you said, yeah, if you were like, come on, really? But he called me into the room and he said, let me share with you what our church teaches. And he started reading from scripture. And I can't, t- my heart was on fire. As it says in scripture, the heart, the hearts were burning within them. My heart was on fire, not only just to hear it, but for him, it's like, for the first time, it's like, I saw him take this position of leading Instead of leading in a negative direction or away from God, he was leading. It was this hunger and thirst that I didn't even know I had that was filled with all that other junk. And now all of a sudden I'm like experiencing this, oh my gosh, you're kidding. And we couldn't get enough. We would, we would start then reading and reading in the catechism, like, are you kidding me? Sounds like you have a boring life. Oh my gosh. Just a paragraph. <laughs> We'd be in tears going, I had no idea that, that without the help of God, man and woman cannot become who they should, ought to be. And, and all these things that I grew up seeing and witnessing in my parents but I didn't but I uh, let the lure of the world take me away so literally it's it's that point when he said I mean the, the words that he said Heavenly Father we've tried it our way and we've tried it society's way and that doesn't work and you if you deliver us from this evil I was telling him I was like that was, that was a deliverance prayer literally yeah. not realizing that the our father literally has that right. in it. And we will spend the rest of our lives and working in some kind of marriage or family ministry. And we hit the ground running. Literally, there's been times that we wanted to quit. One of us or the other, that was another, that's a long story, (laughs) share another time, but holding each other up and challenging each other and just keep moving forward towards the line. And it's been amazing Mm -hmm. what God has done with our junk, with our wounds, with our pain. He allows it to restore others and give hope because when we tell our story, People like, wow, if you were that bad, <laughs> yeah. we, have a, we have a chance. We have a hope. Yeah. Every marriage has hope. When mm-hmm. you put God in the center and Christ Jesus is the center of that marriage, every marriage can be redeemed.
2: And I think it's also to us coming to understand our role and responsibility in that as well. Because, you know, you hear all these phrases and definitions on behalf of the church, you know, sanctify each other, make each other holy. Well, what is that? And and so, what we kind of came to understand our responsibility in making each other holy simply meant helping the other person grow closer to God. And and me again assuming that spiritual leadership role, but of course, her as that co-leader. But there are days when I don't feel like being a leader, and she didn't mind stepping up to the plate to remind me of what it is that I need to be doing. But but in all honesty, but we we volley back and forth, you know. Hey, I was reading here, I read this prayer today, or this thing here, and we come back and we share that, and it just we motivate each other. And 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 that wasn't happening in in our whole marriage, so to speak. Yeah. And he, that's that's beautiful. Real quick, he
3: tried to call me the co-leader, but no, I'm the suggester. I
2: am not. <laughs> I
3: did that once, and I took over, and I didn't want to let go. And once I did, I was like, "What was I trying to prove?" So no, he's the leader. I'm the spiritual suggestor.
1: <laughs> you know, I was, a, a a couple of things came to my mind as I'm listening to your story is uh, first of all, college. Uh, I think that's a period in our lives that they call it individuating. You know, are that period of what? your uh, psychological uh, maturation, where you're individuating, where, where you're trying to find yourself, right. And, uh, and if you're not careful, the world will, uh, grab hold of you. And I think that is supported on college campuses. Um, I actually did a homily, uh, that I titled wait until they're 23. Mm. And part of what backed that up was, uh, on my 23rd birthday on the day I told the story many times, so I apologize viewers, but, um, on that day, June 24th, 1981, uh, I said, I'm going to be a priest. Uh, but it, the day before the week before I really didn't have a notion for that. And mm. by the end of the day, my, my parents and I were contacting the vocation director and oh. I absolutely love being a priest uh, every minute of it, but. I, I think it's God does things. And I think he tries to accentuate uh, that. But um, I, I and we have a we have at University of Wisconsin, which is one of the most liberal campuses on planet Earth. Um, there's an uh, a amazing youth ministry there, St. Paul's, uh, it, which is right on campus. And now I say University of Wisconsin is one of the best co- c- uh, Catholic uh, c- colleges in the country. Uh, because of that, but what are they doing? They're they're grabbing hold of of everybody, and they're trying to get them to live in wisdom. Uh, we we talk about intelligence and you know being smart and all this, stuff. but there's a wisdom that helps us to understand the deeper truths about life, and and that that's what they really concentrate on. Uh, so I thought about that, but I, I also I also thought that, um, you know, as I was listening to you, I'm I'm sitting here going, who was praying for them? Yeah. and then all of a sudden you said your parents yeah and they were even going to adoration yes because for you guys to all of a sudden get lit up in the mm-hmm. midst of all that stress and pain and anxiety and and desire to to just end it all you know uh to to find that energy that spiritual energy that and, and get lit up and then have a hunger for such things as uh you know, reading encyclicals Uh, that made me think of uh, i started a men's ministry back in 2007 and all these young men who had been away from the faith came and all of a sudden they're all reading encyclicals you know um it's my belief too that that we talk about poor catechesis in our church and i i go no it's more about lack of hunger for catechesis in our church okay you go to your class and you get the stuff but are you going home and digging in, and and you have a hunger and a thirst for it? You want to know more about God. See that come. That's that's called the power of grace. In mm-hmm. a time in your life where you were, you know, dismissing your faith, and you know, you were you were, uh, worshiping the gods of money and prestige and and things, uh, for you to get that grace. That uh, that's why I kept saying to myself, somebody was praying for them. And they were praying in adoration too. So I, I wanted to say that because I, I don't. I'd like to hear from you guys how important you feel it is. But to our viewers, I just want everybody to know: don't give up on God. Yeah. And if they can't pray for themselves, you get down on your hands and knees and pray. But but you you do it, and but do it with with belief. And somebody who's going to adoration is praying with belief, probably. You know. And exactly. they they said, I believe you, God, and, and you, I believe you're going to answer this prayer. So um, how important was it that they prayed for you?
3: It, it was critically important. I was going to say, the word that kept coming to me as you were speaking, Father, was identity. And that's why we're in such a scary place today in our culture. Yeah. Because nobody yeah. knows, not a lot of people know that they were made in the image and likeness of God. Correct.
1: We're being told we're animals. I've been preaching about that yes. a lot lately. They're just we, animals. So here, we're going to herd you over here and you're going to, here's here's a little food and you just you know, tell it until we tell you what else, until we train you and, and yes. to become what we want you to become. Right. Go yeah. ahead. But sorry.
3: again, that, that it's, oh, that's not really that big. Especially
1: on university yes. campuses. You know. And
3: it's diabolical. And now it's going it younger and younger because you get to that point. If we're confused about who we are, the harder it is for us to be open to receive and to bring in the Holy Spirit. Right. And so I'll, I'll go to that point, literally with my parents. I mean, oh my goodness, my dad spent three years in the seminary. Um, and, and so I, I remember when we were at the worst of the worst, I called my dad and I literally was bawling my head off. I was crying. And my dad cried on the mm-hmm. phone. And he's a man. He's a manly mm-hmm. man. And I remember his words. He excused my language. He said, damn it. I don't know what to do. Why? And he hung up, I hung up because we didn't know what to do. And then I remember the second time I made him cry (laughs) (laughs) when I called my sister and she answered the phone and I said, Maria, we're going to work on our marriage. And she ran up the hill. She sprinted up the hill and went to the garage where my dad was. And she said, dad, it's a miracle. They're going to work on their marriage. And my dad just wept. And it's, I know his time and hours that he spent on his knees with my mother. And yep. to this day, it's like literally daily adoration and daily communicates and daily, you know. I'll bet you
1: a lot of his tears was he's overwhelmed by the power of God in that
3: moment. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. It was just absolutely thank yeah. God for their prayers because it's literally, we, we don't have a, we always talk about this, the efficaciousness of prayer. Because yeah. if they didn't pray, there is no way. There is no way not yep. only not be together, but we wouldn't have received, as you said, it was such a quick turnaround mm. and the flood gates were open to the grace because literally yeah, the
1: hunger yes that you had. And right.
3: Yes. And yes. And every time we said yes and took a step, it's like the torrents of grace yep. are literally just saying, okay, now keep going and go this way and go this way and go this way and go. It's like,
2: wow. And, and, and the interesting thing is that, you know, growing up, you always hear about God and his grace but but it became tangible for us we 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 felt that because and well even going back and i remember going to sacrament reconciliation now what i consider to be the first time in my life at -hmm. the ripe old age of 35 leaving the confessional that day i had the grace to truly forgive my wife for all the things that were, were done and vice versa and, and I knew the grace was powerful because prior to my examination of conscious list, I had also created a list for her for all the things she was going to have to say for me, to me.
1: <laughs>
2: some things that she was going to have to allow me to do, no questions asked before I could ever even think about saying, I love you again. But, but Father, as I walked out of the confessional that day, all that was gone. And all I had was just this burning desire to, to love my wife. And, wow. and even when we were writing our book, uh, Marriage 911 plug there but the editor was going back after we wrote this chapter on forgiveness and healing and they were like okay wait a minute wait a minute you know that that turnaround couldn't have happened so fast i mean <laughs> clearly it took like another year year and a half before you guys were able to really come back and reconcile i said no it was instantaneously and, and and many times i explain it to couples is this it's like walking to a dark room and you flip that light switch at the very moment when you fit, flip that light switch and that, that light illuminates the room and chases the darkness away. That's exactly what happened in our lives. We turned back to Christ. We allowed him to be in. And, and that, the light of Christ just came in and, and displaced all the darkness and, and, and literally had given us new eyes to see each other, to see our faith, to see our family, to see everything. And so much so that, that the very next week after that prayer, Julie and I both ended and resigned from our corporate jobs because we knew the jobs were providing the money. That allowed us to indulge in all those things that that not only took us away from each other, but now, as we have come to know, that had taken us away from our Heavenly Father as well. And, uh, yeah, God just just took over and just, just overdosed us on the grace. And he still real,
1: does. Real uh, quick, yeah. Doug, I know you want to get it, but uh, the, the moral of the story, and I believe this, and I know you guys do too, is if you hit a time like this, like you guys did. Find someone who actually believes in the power of God to
2: pray Yes, Yes. Yeah, it, it, it's critical. It matters. And, and, and in fact, there's been couples, I, I get shields right now, there's one couple in Kentucky, and uh, they were referred to us and we've worked with them, marriage turned around. Mm-hmm. And in the last session, she was just in tears and saying, you know, you guys were exactly what we needed. She said, because at that point, we couldn't do it for our, ourselves. Mm-hmm. But you guys showed us. How much to believe in ourselves and to believe in God. And that's what God is through. Nice. And so you, you are exactly right. Finding that other person that can be that cheerleader, cheering you in the right direction, but also praying for you and allowing you know that, that nice. it, it can all be done. Philippians 4 13, I can do all things in Him who strengthens me. And that's where we need to turn.
3: Yeah. But I'll, I'll say a little challenge to those who are listening, uh, Father, because it's critical. It, it's sad. we are so thankful to God that we exist. But it is very sad and unfortunate that (laughs) when people come to us, they say, we've been to our parish priest, we've been to the chancery, we've been to our family, we've been to our friends, and they all tell us that we should get out and move on and start. Yeah,
1: that first priest.
3: Yeah. We have people saying, "Oh, oh, I'm so sorry you're going through that. I can help you get an annulment. And they're like, we don't want an annulment. We just want to work on our marriage. I know. And, and the sad part is, is the challenge is all people need to hear is there's hope yeah. in Christ. He creates miracles still to this. He, he, he allows miracles to be witnessed every day if we just lead people to him. Yeah. But too often, I and we understand it's hard for parents to see a child go through something. They're, they're miserable and they're hurting. But we're not helping our children by giving yeah. them a reason to get out instead of challenging them and walking with them to stay in it and to, yeah. to do what they gotta do. To There's a it.
1: difference between having religion and having supernatural faith.
3: Yes. And,
1: and unfortunately, I think that first priest, you know, you know, hopefully he got better. But I think he had religion, but he didn't have a supernatural faith at that yes. point. Yes. And that's actually pervasive, not only in the world, but in our church right now yes hey everyone doug
0: berry here just wanted to remind you that the doors are about to close november 17th 10 p.m central time for the br coalition membership what if you could progress effectively and efficiently and being better prepared body mind and soul that's what br coalition training is all about us grace force members we just want to remind you how important it is that we don't just spend our lives Golfing and shopping, as Father Heilman likes to say, but we're taking the steps necessary to be better prepared. And that's what BR Coalition is all about. Go to brcoalition.com forward slash membership to learn more and to sign up. A couple of things come to my mind. Number one, we, we've got to get into what you're doing now with the Alexander House. Um, and I, I want you to break that down for us because you've taken this and, and God has done something amazing with your situation. And you're doing incredible work. But in addition to that, you've got marriages out there where you've got one or the other that is sitting here listening to this. And I know they're thinking, yes, I agree. I believe in this. Yes. But my spouse is not even close to this. They're just not there. And I know you have dealt with that uh, because it's your expertise and you're not counselors. I love how you say this. You're not counselors. You, You disciple people, but you don't counsel them because you're not certified trained psychologists. But your success rate for helping couples, by the grace of God, is like 985,000% or something high. I forget what it is now, but it's pretty incredible. But you've got like a, what, 95 or whatever percent success rate with people whose marriages come back to something really, really great or really, really solid, at least. Talk about the Alexander House and talk about that, that aspect of within this, about how you've got the one is on board, but the other's not. Where do you go from there? Um, real for- quick,
1: real quick, before you do that, I just want to interject real quick. Psychologists, I'll take an on-fire uh, person of, of great faith a mm. hundred times before yeah. I'll take the modern woke psychologists of today. Oh it just, yeah, Absolutely. yeah so, I, and my, my bachelor degree is in psychology and uh, don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm used to hear about the Alexander House.
2: No, no, Doug, you're right. We 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 get that a lot of times where one is wanting it and the other doesn't. And first we just tell them continue to, to live their sacrament, remain true to their yes, not only to spouse to their spouse, but we remind them you made that to God as well. And just because your spouse wants to renege on your marital vows, doesn't mean that you have to. And I said, a lot of times because of your faithfulness, there's that possibility of conferring that grace onto your spouse. Mm-hmm. But initial thing, uh, another thing I, I, I'd like to share with him is the fact to pray to God that he will mm-hmm. allow whatever he deems, deems necessary to happen in your spouse's life to, to shake their tree and to bring them back to you and to truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times couples say, well, you know, I'm praying to God that he changed my husband or he changed his heart. And I'm like, stop praying i said god has given us free will and he's going to honor that free will and i said and so if your spouse didn't want to use that free will to engage in a marriage there's nothing that god can do or will do because if he he steps in and impedes that then he's not the loving father whom we all know and believe him to be and so praying that god will allow whatever he deems necessary to happen in your spouse's life to wake them up and to get them to come correct and 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 we've had some some miraculous stories of things that have happened, you know, from car accidents to losing jobs, where the husband had come back in the midst of us trying to work together. Say, okay, you know what? Uh, I need I need to go back and see those guys, and it's just incredible.
3: Yeah, and he meant stop praying in that way, not stop praying.
2: Yes, <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah in that way.
3: it is literally. I mean, we even have to the point where nowadays you can only imagine the the issues and concerns and and you see, you've said it the. The final battle between marriage and, and God, or between God and Satan, is the marriage, literally, sure. because Satan is hell-bent on destroying the, the foundation. If you destroy the foundation, everything else suffers.
0: And, and let me interrupt real quick, Julie, if you don't mind. Just so the audience knows, for those who do not know what that quote is, it comes from Cardinal Kafara quoting, he's since passed away. He's one of the four cardinals who wrote the dubia which we never really got an answer on. Anyway, Cardinal Kafara had an interview or letter, he received a letter from Sister Lucia, and he tells this in a video where when he was made by Pope John Paul II, one of the priests that was head of the Pontifical Council for the family, back in 81, which was supposed to take place on May 13th, the day that John Paul II was was shot and they tried to assassinate him, so he pushed it off till December, I think. He announces this, he puts Cardinal Kafara, then Father Kafara, as one of the heads of this organization, and He writes a letter to Sister Lucia, one of the, obviously one of the visionaries from Fatima, asking for prayers. He did not think he'd hear back from her. She wrote him back in the very short version of the story. So we can get back to your, 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 your conversation there, Julie. Is He said that she told him that it was revealed to her by Our Lady that the final battle between heaven and Satan was going to be over marriage and family. Mm. and He said, and we're in it right now. And you two, with the work that you do, uh, I mean, and I know you're going to get into this. You're, you're in the thick of it, and you have seen, you've been through, and you've seen really the worst when it comes to the abuse of marriage and the attack against marriage. So, yeah, Julie, I'm sorry. I wanted to, the audience to understand the depth of what you meant by that quote.
2: Yeah, let, yeah, let me perfect. let me step in for a second, and I'll, See, I'll Julie, turn, turn it back over you to
3: you. <laughs> I'm Julie, you're
1: being really, <laughs> well, <laughs> Julie, you're doing really well with the submissive thing. <laughs>
0: yeah. You... <laughs> She, she's had a lot
2: of practice, God. a lot of practice. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. No, to this quote, see, I know once she start talking, I'll never get to come. Back. <laughs> but I want to go back to the quote because a lot of people quote that quote uh, from Sister Lucia, but they never finish it because the other part she said, "and those who work for marriage will always be opposed." Yes, that's right. Yes, <laughs> so I really feel that you know, yeah. uh, kind of bridging on what you just said, Doug. but. My beautiful bride, go ahead.
3: Yeah, so so I think <laughs> you have to recognize that it is literally a spiritual battle, and it's a fight for souls. It's a fight for heaven and hell. It's a, a heaven against hell, and so we always tell the the person who is the one if you want to talk, standing for their marriage or knowing what they is prayer and fasting. fasting nice, is so critical because we. Amen. Yeah, it's amazing that you know how much can be done prayer and fast and we hear miracle after miracle after miracle but it's also something that i have to say a, a lot of women and i'll just say it because that's who i was um is we have to stop like forcing and, and telling our husbands, you need to do this you need to do that and you need to do this it's it's the quiet um mm. peaceful heartfelt woman who through prayer and fasting even with her tongue and her <laughs> mouth can allow her husband to feel honored and cherished, even though he's not perfect, because none of us are. But encouraging our husband, lifting him up out of reverence for Christ, doing all that we're supposed to do. Because what I've found in our culture, and like I said, I was very good at it, is we women have been given the green light to take over and to rule and do all this stuff and be the woman of the whatever, millennials, 90s, whatever we are. And, when we take and the over, men are
1: Homer Simpsons. Yeah. yeah.
3: My gosh, yeah. the lie. But when women take over, men sit down. Yep. And then we say, why are you sitting down?
1: Get up.
3: <laughs> and so I want to challenge women. It is very, it's good to be a woman. It's an amazing and it a blessing to be a soft-hearted, gentle woman. To allow your husband to be the gentle man that God created mm-hmm. him to be.
2: And, and I think there were elements of that in Julie in the beginning. But what she didn't understand that I didn't grow up in a home where I had that model for me. So there was no point of reference for me to even understand what it meant to be the spiritual leader. And so because her father was so awesome in that regard, she was wanting to see that in me. But I didn't know how to do that. And so her, her nagging and her belittling, it just pushed me further away as opposed to making me want to learn what it was and what I need to know to become that spiritual leader. So so again, yeah, for uh, he, he thinks I nag him. <laughs> I'm kidding.
3: He used to. <laughs> used to
2: <laughs> but, but but again and yeah. So so speaking to the ladies out there again, that that if your husband doesn't know, if he's not demonstrating those skills, don't don't beat him across the head, uh, don't belittle him, don't criticize him, or how dare you? Or I can't believe you. Yeah, but again, to be there, like Judah said, in that subtle voice to lift up and to cur- encourage. And and another thing to for you guys as well because. You know, a spiritual leader in a home can look very different in each and every home, and we're always trying to look for something to model ourselves after, and maybe sometimes trying to aspire for something that we're not called to be. And so, take that time as husband and wife, and turn to your bride. What is it that you desire for me to to, and how would you like for me to be that spiritual leader? You know, do you want us want me to lead us in prayer every morning? Do you want us to do the rosary every evening? And do uh, you want me reading scripture and sharing with you? What 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 do you two define that to be, and not allowing other people to kind of define it for you? Because there may be things that you just just can't do, but there's things that you can do that will be satisfactory, satisfying, your bride. <laughs> now,
0: now, I know the Alexander House I, I, is it, is a phenomenal place. We're going to get pictures of it here soon, up on the screen. And for people who are just listening on the audio version of this podcast. Um, go out to Rumble right now. YouTube still has this in timeout for another month. We're, I don't know, Father. We just keep getting that thing with the YouTube thing. But uh, but anyway, the you website. will be
1: hated by all because of my name. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. that, was in, that was in this weekend's gospel. Yeah, you're right. No kidding to that. Uh, website that people can go to. Let's start getting that out there. We'll put it on the screen here. It's been on the screen already several times, but for the audio version. Where do people go to get more information about this incredible story and also the help that you're going to, that you offer and that you're going to talk more about here.
2: Yes. Yeah, so they can find us at the Alexander house at www.thealexanderhouse.org. And from there, you can kind of find different outreaches. Again, we talked about the marriage discipling, uh, which is marriagedisciples.org, but you can also find it from the Alexander house as well. So kind of main, the main signpost, if you will, to, to go to.
0: Okay. Alexanderhouse.org. And, and tell us about how, I mean, this, I just want you to talk about this because I've been on this journey with you a little bit, the different fundraisers, the different efforts. And then now lately you, you were, you came upon this, this piece of land. You've got this facility now, yeah. but the Alexander House started with this discipleship effort. How did, what, what, what's it about? How does it work when a couple comes to see you? What's kind of the process there?
2: Well, in fact, I'll go back and tell you how that process begun. So as we're reading and studying, we started doing these little informal talks about God's plan for marriage in our parish. A DRE from another parish found out about the talks and called Julie. She said, I heard about the talks you and your husband have been given. You guys have a workshop. Well, Father, my beautiful little bride here, she lied. <laughs> she lied and said we had a workshop that we didn't have, committed us to a date. And she came to me all of a sudden, sweetheart, sweetheart. We have our first workshop on behalf of the Alexander House. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> we don't have a workshop. She said, "Well, if we have a date. You better come up with something." <laughs> so I had to. That's go the
0: suggesting that. part, right, Billy? <laughs> You're the suggester.
2: I, I was going to say that, but I have to go home with her tonight
1: <laughs> You better come up with something, Joseph.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What did we do to get our marriage back on track? And there were six areas that we kind of discovered that we still call today the six, excuse me, six (laughs) essential elements for a strong Catholic marriage, which consisted of coming to learn and live God's plan for marriage, God's plan for chastity in marriage, forgiveness and healing in marriage. What does it mean to be a servant spouse in a relationship and how to do that uh, communication and weaving spirituality throughout the whole process. And one of the things I want to say is that um, I think the area in which God has gifted us is is not only being able to teach couples intellectually what all of that stuff means and looks like, but what are the practical things? What what should we be living out in our home on a daily basis in order to tap into the grace? Because the misconception is this: there's people who think, well, we're Catholic, we got married in the Catholic Church, now we have a sacrament, and I know from the Baltimore Catechism that that sacrament grace, so everything should be great and wonderful. For if if it is it, it, not <laughs> Maybe there's something wrong with marriage. Maybe there's something wrong with the other person. Or I get a lot of the educated Catholics who say, well, maybe we just don't have a valid sacramental marriage. To so all of which I say baloney. It's just the fact that you're not living marriage the way that God calls us to. And the way we're made available to that full abundance of grace in that sacrament is by participating with God in marriage the way that he has prescribed it to me. Not Dr. Phil, not Oprah, not anybody else, but, but God. And so I was joking and saying he wrote the book. All we have to do is read it and make it applicable to our lives. And so it's teaching couples how to do that through the marriage Discipline program, which again, started with the workshops. So we were presenting these workshops. Things were going great. Couples were coming up saying things like, wow, that was awesome. We learned a lot. Do you work with couples individually? So I took a page from her book (laughs) and said, sure, we work with couples. When do you want to get started? And that's how the marriage disciples started in doing that. And I'll tell you real quick on, on the word. I was sitting down one day. And the phrase, the truth shall set you free, kept coming to mind. Being a great Catholic, I was, I didn't even know where it was in the Bible. So I had to get on the internet and find find it. But then I started thinking, well, what was Christ talking about before that? And so in verse 31, you find him speaking to the Jews. And depending on the translation, you know, if you live my teachings or you keep my teachings, then you become disciples. Then you know truth and the truth will set you free. And I think you both will agree that the world's definition of freedom is to do whatever the heck it is that I wanna do. But authentic freedom, true freedom can only be experienced when we live our life the way that Christ and God calls us to, the way they have delivered it to us through the church. And so there's a lot of people who go in and out of churches every Sunday who would claim that I'm a disciple of Christ. I mean, no, you are not. Not unless you're understanding and knowing and living Christ and God's truths for us in our lives, because then we become disciples then we know truth, and only then, and that truth is what sets us free.
1: Mm. So you I, uh, the,
0: but you started go the, I'm sorry, we, just real quick follow-up on this. You started the individual counseling, or sorry, discipleship. You started yeah. the individual discipleship, but this grew to an actual location facility now?
2: Yeah, so, so we had an office, and we tried getting facility, uh, acquired facilities a multitude of times in, in throughout our 24 years of existence. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we thought, you know, that ship had, had sailed. We were not going to do it. But uh incident happened. It just really reignited the sense in us that there's so much more we can do. And I have always had the constraints set on Realtor.com for the perfect property. And so I went to the computer, typed in, uh, pulled up Realtor.com, and this property came up. 10 and a half acres, $1.5 million. Mm-hmm. I'm like, great. We have zero, Zero. (laughs) but I told you, I said, but I want to see the because it it looked like the perfect property. And so my daughter and son-in-law are realtors. So they were able to get us on the property because typically to look at a million dollar plus property, you have to be able to show proof of funds to even look at the property. And so we we got to the property, we get out of the car. I stand up, I look around and I just felt this, this warmth, this rush just come over me. And I turned to Julie, I said, I think this is where we're supposed to be. And, and without even thinking twice about it, she said, yeah, I, I totally agree. So we started sharing friends with friends and donors. Hey, we found the perfect property. We found the property for the Alexander House. And many would say, well, you need to find a way to find, get in touch with the owner, uh, share with him your story. And maybe he'll make some kind of concession on that price. To make a long story short, Julie had a chance to run in with mm-hmm. the owner. She expressed to him, hey, I'm Julie Alexander. My husband and I have this marriage ministry. We've, we've seen your property. We love it. We think it's what God is calling us to, except we have no money. And he's probably thinking, great. And, but to go on, she said, but, you know, but if we can negotiate with a price, we'd be willing to throw in the contingency that if we don't raise a million dollars in 30 days, we'll give the property back to you. Now, I was not with her when she made that deal. <laughs> she, she came home and she said, hey. Uh-oh,
3: guess what I did, honey. <laughs>
2: She said, I told her that we were raising a million dollars in 30 days. I said, sweetheart, we haven't made it, raised a million dollars in 23 years. How are we going to do it in 30 days? But put together a case statement and uh, we put it out. We had a couple of endorsements uh, made. And uh, four weeks later, we have $1.1 million raised. Nice. In stock yeah. offices, in money in the bank. And, uh, nice. and the rest is history. So now we have this beautiful property just to continue ministerial efforts. Again, we had always had these grandiose dreams of really reaching out systemically throughout the family and helping young kids understand what a righteous relationship looks like. Uh, Throughout the years, uh, we've encountered couples where one of the individuals within the couple has struggled from some kind of um, spiritual bondage, if you will, pornography, uh, contraception, sterilization, whatever the case may be. And so we wanted to create continued programs that would minister to those individuals to make them whole again so they could be who and what they need to be for each other in the marriage. And so with that, uh, we just recently partnered and actually hosted this past weekend, our first Catholic in Recovery, a beautiful program uh, created by a guy, Scott Wieman out of California, that deals with all kinds of uh, addictions and helping individuals overcome those addictions. Uh, we have St. Raphael's Way, which has two components. One, Is a post-abortive healing and reconciliation retreat. The other one is a healing retreat for natural miscarriages. And then Julie and I, for the last three years, have been working actually in inner healing and deliverance work, really helping people come to understand that spiritual battle and how it is that they might have become enslaved in that spiritual bondage that they need to break free from. And uh, and I don't mind saying I, I love what we do with our couples, but I'm starting to love this even more because it is an awesome feeling when you see that that God through you has, has freed this individual from that bondage. And now they can come back and again be who they're called to be in a marriage.
3: Yeah, tra- they transform literally right before our eyes. It's incredible and amazing because of the fact that I just believe that God gave us this place literally to bring it to hope and healing for souls and to set the captives free. Literally. Because um, it's that whole understanding that I've had with all the, all the baggage and the bondage and all these things that everyone is involved in, um, just not being free to open and li- literally live for Christ. And mm-hmm. they don't even know how. Mm-hmm. And when they are set free and the, the, the chains are gone and they're broken and, and do this prayer, it, I these the sessions... We literally are just blown away what God is doing, literally, just from us saying, okay, God, sure, whatever, help us do this, help us do whatever we need to do, what you're calling us to do. And it's really an awesome feeling to lead souls closer to Christ, not now just each other, but now us together leading other souls to Christ. It's just, there's nothing more. You know,
1: when I listened to your story and, uh, you know, Greg, when you you expressed that, you know, in that moment that you just started to dive into even encyclicals, but the Bible and everything, um, I, I, a scripture passage that came to mind for me was when Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and find life burdensome and you'll find rest for your souls. Learn from me for I am meek and humble of heart and you will find rest for my yoke is easy and my burden light. What 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 it seems like what happened to you and what's happening to these couples when they when they get into your ministry and that is there's this submissiveness there's this there's there's this just dying to self you, you, they just they just collapse and say okay God you know I'm in you know and uh, and that's the time when the, the the chains are broken you know everything that's kept us away from God kept us away from home uh, God's house. Uh, God's love, God's embrace, right? All, in that moment, uh, we become meek, uh, we become submissive to what God wants for us, and then, boom, everything opens up. You know, just and this torrent of grace c- comes in finally. So it's 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 almost I, I feel like you know the the major part of your ministry is is teaching that but modeling that i mean you guys modeled that so well that we just let go we just let go and let god and uh and and that released the chains of weariness and burden and and everything that that laid hold of us and set us free to receive the power of god what do you think of that no i want to end with one last thing is that I, i feel so um Oh, I don't know. Um, uh, so strongly about this that um, w- I-, I was born on John the Baptist's birthday. Doug always likes that I bring that up because uh, <laughs> actually Roe v. Wade went down on my birthday, which is June twenty fourth
0: of this year. But I, I, um, Father, I don't remember hearing that before. When yeah, yeah, yeah in case jokes, you yeah.
1: missed it, in case you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in
0: this episode, have you done it yet? <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Anyway, my favorite. <laughs> my favorite uh passage from John the Baptist is uh he must increase, I must decrease yeah. right and and that says what you know come to me all your weary you, you know get off of yourself and 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 I, Greg, you even described that you know for certain couples it'll be different uh, you know they'll do this but the one thing that is in common is they become totally selfless mm-hmm. okay? They get rid of their selfishness. They can become selfless to God. Yes. But then to their spouse and, yeah. and, and that, that, that's that submissive, you know, but why be submissive to your husbands? Husbands love your wife. Well, love is the same as submissiveness. It's just, it just is. You just submit yourself to each other, let go of the chains of selfishness. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden this peace comes and and freedom and, yeah. and an openness to the power of God. Absolutely. Right?
3: I, I agree. It's amazing that you're saying that what we've discovered too, Father, is so beautiful because it's good to discover is selfishness and pride and control all comes from oftentimes wounds right. that people hold on to. to to, to Yes, yeah, so we need That's forgiveness. This block, Yeah, and it, it was a, a vision I had, and not that I'm a visionary, but that Satan literally is holding our heads underwater. Mm. So our heads are held underwater. And for 50 plus years, we've been preached at, you know, about God does this, God says this, the, this is the readings, this is what the church teaches. And if I, you cover your ears, you, you can't keep, yeah. like, all you hear is wah, 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 you know, the mumbling. Right. But when we literally drain the swamp. Yep heal and help people understand that that is not God that that Satan came in to twist your thoughts or twist your heart or hurt you through people yep. through parents through your it sent through people that had done something to hurt you but when they allow that to take place and let it go and surrender it to God to Jesus Christ it literally transforms their heart created me yep. a new heart oh God like yeah. you said, empty yourself of me because we hold on to that more yeah. of Christ and all of a sudden we we talk about that three thousand came into the church why because they saw the lame leap and the dumb speak and the and and the dead rise and live and it's like I want some of that we yeah. as a church need to tell people that Christ still performs miracles today but it's mm. we have to participate we have to be the hands the feet the yes. voice the the understanding the arms the channel God yeah. the channel yeah and, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, and I was going to say, but it's difficult to do that for what you said earlier, Father, especially for those who go to college, because I think you used the phrase where they go to find themselves and then it becomes all about self. Yeah. And of course, the church teaches us that that the way that we find that happening is is what a man can only realize himself only when he's able to make a sincere gift of self. So it's not about me and what I selfishly want, but I'm willing to selflessly give to the other person to then to, to discover who, who I am. And, and that's part of the problem that everything is about me, 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 and what I want and what have you done for me lately, as opposed to flipping that on the other side and say, but how is it that I need to serve you? And, uh, and that's, that's the key, especially in marriage.
0: Where the Alexander House is now, you're, you're out in, in the San Antonio area. Can you give any information for people? Because I know we're getting close to the end. I want to make sure we don't miss out on the people who are thinking to themselves right now. And I'm sure there are many. How do we get in contact where would we go if we went on a, a retreat? What are these events? Help us, you know, because people out there have got to be starving right now. We're hearing this because your story, everybody should hear, they should know, is so phenomenally miraculous. Mm-hmm. Not only because your marriage was at rock bottom for both of you, you were both ready to just cash it in. But the fact that not only did you heal and come up with with a godly marriage, this ministry work that has come from it now, this apostle work that has come from it, is phenomenal. So, more information about how people can get a hold of you again. Let's get the website out again. And, and where could they find the Alexander House if they want to travel to you?
2: Okay. Yeah. So, the website again is www.thualexanderhouse.org. That's thealexanderhouse.org. And uh, we're just north, got uh, literally 15 minutes north of San Antonio. But when you get here to the property in Boulevard, Texas, it's like you're two hours into the country somewhere. I mean, there's cows. It is amazing. Yeah. And and we're just kind of kind of protected in this very serene site, if you will. I mean, every time people come to an event here, they say, I can't believe how peaceful it is here. And I, I think God has anointed this land for that as you would say to offer the hope. Because they're looking for peace at that point yeah, in their exactly. life. Yes. Especially in all yeah. of- in in the world today especially and uh but uh yeah 30457 leroy shield that's s-c-h-e-e-l road in Brady texas so if you're anywhere in the vicinity man, stop by we're here all day every day And, and that's what we also believe this property is for not just for the classes and courses that we host but just for couples to come out and just enjoy the property kind of back behind the main building there's about a quarter of an acre wooded area that we call right now uh, St. Raphael Garden, which I guess we'll always call it that. Mm-hmm. But uh, our, our next project is to really kind of clear the grounds and again, offer this place of solitude and for prayer for for couples and individuals just to come and just to spend time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's interesting because I've always wanted in our many years of doing ministry to, to have people say, you know, God, what is there to do? Where can I go? You know, ah, the Alexander house. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now we can say that having that physical place Uh, The second Friday of every month, we host uh, a date night. And it's a night, Doug, where there's no curriculum, no talks. It's just a night for couples to come and hang out and enjoy each other's company. You know, we got this big fire pit, as you'll see in the pictures, Mm -hmm. uh, that couples just gather around. And and we just fellowship and just just have good, clean fun with like-minded couples who believe in marriage, who love their faith, and just want to be there to help build community. And to support each other.
3: And we still offer workshops. And, and and all that's on our website. But one thing I want to mention for sure is on uh, December 11th, yeah. we're having a virtual gala uh, for fundraising. Because, And the reason that we do this is because we do not charge for anything that we do. We don't charge the couples in our marriage discipleship. And we don't charge our healing hearts. Because we realize that it's so important to give, again, Matthew 10, 8, raise the dead, heal the sick cleanse the lepers cast out demons but the next line that greg pointed out to me one day was without cost you were given and without cost you will give so we do not charge for anything that we do towards wow. helping couples and just truly it's only through donations that we survive and so if anybody is desiring to help us again on december 11th we are going to have a virtual benefit yeah, uh yeah. benefiting the
2: speaker by the name of doug bear I, I don't know <laughs> who that guy is but uh, I heard he's pretty good. <laughs> Yes, keynote speaker, <laughs> we'll be done. Hey, uh, we do have to
1: close, but I want to close just by saying this: that um, I think everybody see the the final battle will be against marriage and family, and everybody I think sees it all around us: uh, marriages that are broken and and whatnot. Um, and and you know, people are looking everywhere to find help. Mm-hmm. And again, I don't think the woke psychologists are doing it uh, these days. This is exactly what's needed, yeah. everyone. Well, can I chime uh, in please, real quick, Father? Please, please let me finish. Yeah, please let please let this touch your hearts. I I love this episode of, the, of Grace Force. Please mm-hmm. let this touch your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, these are people that left wealth and prosperity and turned it over to God and to you. Okay, uh, to to make sure that this works, they're not charging anyone. I mean. Thank you so much, you guys. And uh, please, uh, I hope everybody who's watching is as touched as as I am. I'm sure Doug, too. Yeah. But that's what I want to say. Go ahead, Doug.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Father. Absolutely. Um, I just want to comment on what you had said there about uh, the, the battle against marriage and family. You know, we, we, we think just marriage problems and divorce and breakup and so forth, and that is absolutely part of it. But we're seeing families be torn apart. And, you know, with, with, with the, trans, the transgender stuff, with the, the LGBT stuff, with, with the, the confusion and, and the humiliation and, and the people drifting from the faith. And, and, you know, I've had so many parents come up to me at different events I've spoken at and in tears because their kid just abandoned the Catholic faith that they were raised with. I was talking to someone today, a guy came out looking at my HVAC system here. And, you know, got, we got to get a little repair. We got to get here done here. And and he was talking about a buddy of his that he grew up with. This guy's in his early sixties. And he said, yeah, a buddy of mine, staunch, faithful, Christian, conservative. And his he's in the, he's dead now. He died early, but his daughter within one generation, complete liberal off the, off the charts, lost faith, everything. And he said that fast one generation right there. So the marriage and the family is under attack from so many different angles, but to reference what Father just said, when the marriage is strong, the the chances of that family enduring are so much better because of the graces that flow through a a good marriage. So for husbands and wives out there, we've got to get that on track. First and foremost, it gives us a much better fighting chance to help our children remain faithful and strong and well-ordered in every aspect of their lives. And I echo what Father said, if anybody out there listening, watching right now can help support, go to Alexanderhouse.org and they can donate any time of the year, right? You've got a donate awesome. button on there. Yes. They yes. do not charge for this, people. This is amazing faith. They do not charge anybody. If you want to help in this battle and you don't know where to go, what to do, you're not sure, but you have any means whatsoever, a few dollars to a lot of dollars, please reach out and prayerfully consider supporting greg and julie they are amazing i've known them they're good friends i might have known them for many many years but i also believe a hundred percent in the work that they're doing so i i i joined father in this encouragement for our audience to please support this unbelievably important mission uh, and, thank you and,
2: and, so thank you both for your yeah, kind of, yeah for the plea as well and I, I don't mind saying this too because the money also helps us because now we've been training and forming other marriage disciples. We have eight mm-hmm. other marriage disciples spread out throughout the nation now that helps carry the load for the demand that comes in for couples who are in need of help. So thank that's you, God. That's so good. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah,
1: thank you.
3: Father, we got to go. I know we got to go, but you said, yes, Doug, the strong marriages, but mm-hmm. that's led from my voice, a woman's voice, strong men mm-hmm. who wake up, take charge, pray with their wives, not pray on them, like the opposite, literally. Yeah transformations when the men stand up to their position of spiritual leader Mm. and the wife encourages and lifts him up in that, in that endeavor. And yes, it's amazing the marriage together, but starts with the leadership of the husband for sure. Yeah,
0: That's awesome. Awesome. Wow.
1: Wow. 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 Thank you so much. You guys, Um, we encourage everyone out there, especially uh, there's so much to digest here. That's so amazing, but uh, I love the prayer and fasting part. So, if you know someone, family member, friend, whatever, their marriage is struggling, their hearts seem hardened to that grace, pray and fast for them and watch because it, it happened to this couple because mm-hmm. someone it was praying for them and, and yeah. fasting for them and going to adoration for them. And, and then, boom, it all opened up. And then they started to hunger and go after that grace themselves. So, uh, what a, and, and it's, it's the way to heal marriages. So, again, thank you all all right um we offer that prayer and this prayer we ask for uh god to break through hardened hearts marriages that are struggling and we pray in the name of the father the son of the holy spirit amen yes. come holy spirit fill the hearts of your faithful and enkindle in them the fire of your love and may almighty god bless you the father the son and the holy spirit amen, amen. 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 thanks greg and julie